Your experience of life is not what happens, but how you name what happens. Your experience is the story that you tell yourself. You can't unring the bell, but you do decide what it means for your life. Don't collude with disempowering narratives. See from new perspectives and set yourself free. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Rev D Now Change What You See podcast. So happy to be spending this time with you right now. Today, we're going to be talking about forgiveness and clearing up some of the very common misconceptions uh, that we have about forgiveness. Perhaps the biggest misconception is we think that forgiveness is something that we do for somebody else, or that we think that forgiveness is somehow or another whitewashing things, making excuses, letting people off the hook, somehow or another uh, betraying the truth of the facts uh, that we all know. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is about shifting your relationship to what has happened in such a way that you are able to no longer be under the ongoing karmic effects of it and you can still stand in your power. We make a God out of anything that we allow to define us. Anything that we allow to determine the levels of our possibilities. Don't make a God out of mistakes. Don't allow things that have happened to be the determinant to you of who you are or what it is that's possible. To forgive is not to wipe the slate clean. To forgive is to say it doesn't have the last word. Uh, To forgive is to say I am more than this. To forgive is to say that whatever it is that's gone on or whatever it is that's happened, I am not going to lower myself. I am not going to restrict or constrict myself with ideas of being any less because of whatever it is that's happened. I really love language uh, a lot. The New Testament was written in uh, Greek for various reasons that I won't go into right now. And the Greek language has verb tenses that we don't have in English. There's a particular verb tense that's called the middle voice. And that means that the action that's taking place is impacting the actor first and foremost. So whatever it is that's happening isn't happening externally. Whatever it is that's happening is happening internally. When that word forgive shows up in Scripture in the New Testament, it's given in that middle voice, that middle voice. So within the language itself, 
you know that the act of forgiving is for the one who's doing it, not for the other person. To not forgive is kind of like drinking a gallon of poison and praying the other person's going to die. To not forgive is to say, I have an interpretation. I have a way of looking at this and I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to shift. I'm going to stay frozen in time, never allow myself to be informed by anything. This is the way that I see it. And whether it's to my detriment or not, I'm going to keep hanging on to this perspective. That can be lethal. We forgive so that we don't stay in the ongoing influence of it. We forgive so that we are not immobilized. What we call unconditional loving is a state of perpetual forgiveness. It's not holding on uh, to things. When we think of unconditionally loving, sometimes we think that, oh, it's just an anything goes kind of something. No, it's not really that I don't have any conditions. It's that I don't make my loving dependent upon whether you're meeting all my conditions or not. So that even when you betray me, even when you let me down, even when you disappoint me, I can still find a place in my heart for this loving. I'm going to go to the Greek language again. There are many different words for love in Greek. There's platonic love, there's a phileo, a friendship love. There's eros, a romantic love. And then there's an agapeo love, which is in a, a, a love that is a oneness love. It's not that I love you because we have something in common. I love you in spite of the fact uh, that we have something in common. And it is this particular kind of love. It's not an emotion. Martin Luther King Jr. used to always say, you know, it's not emotional bosh. All nonviolent social change, all nonviolent uh, justice is based upon this particular kind of an agapeo love. It's a transcendent place where regardless of what it is that's going on, you still stand in your power. Gandhi referred to this as soul force. This is that kind of love that says, no matter what it is that you do to me, you can't turn me around. You can't stop me. I'm going to keep my eye on the prize. I know that I'm connected with you, whether you know it or not. Whether you know it or not. I remember when we... (laughs) We've had so many mass shootings. It, it was the mass shooting um, 
when Pastor Pinckney um, was killed and um, this guy, Dylan Roof, went into the church and um, I think it was Charlottesville and, and killed nine people after sitting there with them in prayer. And not too long after that, he, when he was getting indicted, survivors of the incident went to the jail and offered their forgiveness. And some of my people were asking me, well, what in the world was that? All that what was all that about? And I said to them, I said, when you were a kid, did you ever play a game called Cooties? <laughs> so Cooties was this like imaginary plague. And you somebody would get tagged and they'd be the ones that had the cooties. And you didn't want to be touched by them. Because if you got touched by them, you were going to catch the cooties too. So whoever was the last one tagged with the cooties would run around and try to tag somebody else so they could get it off of them. And I said, Dylan Roof had the cooties. He had the cooties. I said, and what those people knew is that, yes, their loved ones were killed by him. But if they didn't forgive, then they would be carrying his cooties around all the time. And here's a news flash. When do we forgive? Up front. Now, I know this is going to sound crazy because most of us wait until something's happened to determine whether or not we're going to forgive. And we have a litmus test. How egregious was this? How many times has this been a repeated offense? You know, all these different circumstances and things that we're going to judge it by to see that maybe if kind of, sort of, I might forgive. You forgive up front. You forgive before anything even happens. This is just like gratitude. If you walk around in the world constantly thinking that there's nothing to be grateful for unless somebody does something and proves to you that you should be thankful, then you're just not thankful. No, you you wake up with a sense of gratitude. You walk through the world with a sense of, of expectancy beyond any particular expectations. And if you walk around with gratitude, what you will find is that there's so many more things that you just would have missed being in your negative, oh, there's nothing good happening state of mind. You say, well, how do you forgive up front? Well, let me give you an example. If you're a parent 
and you have a four-year-old. And you're going to give your four-year-old a birthday party. You're about to have 14 four-year-olds in your house. Something going to go down. (laughs) You already know it. Something's going to get broken. Something's going to get lost. Something's going to get scratched up, marked up, sticky, dirty, whatever. You already know that. Before you've even invited them, you have already determined that you're not going to hold it against them. You have already determined that no matter what it is that goes on, you're going to still have a good party. Spoiler alert. Life is always like having a bunch of four-year-olds running around. Something's always going to go down. It's always going to go down. People are people. I don't care whether it's your house, the White House. People are people. It doesn't matter whether it's an academic environment, a business environment, the community, the church. People are people. You already know. Some stuff's gonna go down. And if you make up your mind ahead of time, this is no matter what it is that's going on, I'm not gonna let it hold me back. No matter what it is that's going on, I am transcendent of it. I am more than this. No matter what it is that goes on, It doesn't define me. It doesn't deter me. I am more than this. You know in your heart, whether it's been you, whether it's been somebody else, the kind of toxicity that a lack of forgiveness produces. It literally causes physical ailments and bitterness. You've seen what that looks like with people who just hold on to stuff and won't let it go. Sometimes the one that we need to forgive is our own selves. It's us. And I'd say quite often when we find ourselves mad or angry with other people, there's a part of it that's angry with ourselves for our role in it. Even if our role was no more than somehow or another, we enabled it or let it uh, go on 
or didn't address it at the time, whether it was a personal issue or whether it was a collective issue. But it's never too late. It's never too late. You say, well, how do I start? Intent. That's all you need. You just need a willingness. That's all. You don't have to confront people. You don't have to do all of that. If that is to happen, it will happen. All you need is the willingness. And I guarantee you, if you get to the point where you're really willing to forgive, all the opportunities are going to present themselves so quickly you won't even know what to do. It'll happen so fast. You say, well, what if I'm not willing? Well, are you willing to be willing? You're not willing now, but are you are you willing to be willing? Well, if you're not so sure about that, are you willing to be willing to be willing? <laughs> I don't care how far back you have to go. Just start with some level of willingness. There's a line in the 23rd Psalm that says, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know, when you're at the table and you're breaking bread together, there's a shift. There's a change that happens. What I know is that if you're willing to forgive, the table will get prepared, so to speak. You don't have to figure out the guest list. (laughs) You don't have to make the invitations. You don't have to make the banquet. You don't have to cook the food. You don't have to do any of that. Just accept the invitation when it comes. And you will not be mistaken when it's there. I'm having a flash now of a situation that happened a number of years ago where it was actually a table. I was at a banquet. And It just so happened that at this banquet, I was seated next to somebody that I had had some real issues with, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years before that. I had been co-chair of a national civil rights organization 
we had had a fundraiser at this particular person's house. And I can honestly say, even to this day now, I have never been treated so racistly rude as I had been in that person's house. So when they're sitting next to me, you know, I did the typical black thing. We go into denial about stuff. Uh-uh. Nah, uh-uh. I know that ain't him. <laughs> nah, that can't possibly be him. But he has a very distinct look and this full, full head of, you know, hair of, of white, head of gray hair, full haired. I'm thinking, no, no, I'm even getting into maybe he's got a twin. (laughs) And I'm listening to him talk. And there's very very, there's a few things that he's saying that's making it really clear that this is him. And I'm not quite sure what to do. I'm really not sure what to do. So I just, it's like, okay, okay. I started to engage him in conversation. And I confirmed that he had this beautiful Victorian house, uh, you know, in this particular neighborhood. And he said, yes, yes, yes. And I confirmed that he does, in fact, allow nonprofit organizations to do fundraisers there. He he didn't know who I was and I couldn't expect him to because he was so dismissive of me years ago. I'm sure he wouldn't have remembered me. And I took a deep breath and I was so shocked at what came out of my mouth. Instead of cussing him out, the words, thank you, came out my mouth. I I, I literally, like, looked over my shoulder to the left and the right. Like, who said that? I said, thank you. That's really quite a service to the nonprofit world. And you know what? Boom, it was over. It was over. All the angst, all the everything that had been going on inside of me was over. I wasn't a victim anymore. He wasn't a villain. I didn't have all that angst and stuff in my heart. It was just over. And I guarantee you, Things that have been festering for years. If there's any part of you that's just willing to have your relationship shift to it. There's a freedom that's waiting for you. A phenomenal, phenomenal freedom. So I invite you. I invite you to think about those things that you've been holding on to and find that place where you can start. Are you willing? 
Are you willing to be willing? Are you willing to be willing to be willing? I also want to invite you to go online and take a look at one of my TEDx talks. It would be TEDx Berkeley 2016, Reverend Deborah L. Johnson, a talk that I did on forgiveness that really encapsulates this based on my 20 plus years of prison outreach work, particularly influenced by communications I had with a gentleman who had been incarcerated for 26 years and was innocent. I met him right after, right before he got out and had some exchanges with him right afterwards. And that particular talk uh, ends with a spoken word piece by my alter ego, Wilhelmina. Uh, she's from the hood and she has issues with different kinds of things. Uh, and she does a beautiful expose uh, on forgiveness. And uh, perhaps you might learn some forgiveness tips from uh, Wilhelmina too. Think on these things. I look forward to seeing you in another episode. Thank you for being with us. Check out my other podcast shows and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What's on your mind? Share it with me in the Ask Rev D section of my new website, RevDNow.com. Please join my contact list. I'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. See with new eyes. <laughs>